0: Live from the outhouse in Slumdog Millionaire, it's the IGN Digit. So please welcome Vicky Cristina Barcelona, Wade Major, and Mark Kaiser. Good week, bad week. Just um, you, in, you, you in general, nothing pertaining to DVDs. Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, good week? Good week at the office? (laughs) Friendly people? Smiling faces?
1: I don't know. I don't talk to anybody at the office. (laughs) You don't? I just do my job and then leave.
0: You just just walk in, grumble, grumble, shut the door?
1: Oh, it's no grumbling. No no door shutting. I just do, I'm a professional. I do my job and I leave. Okay. That way I can leave and go see movies. I see. Like, uh, we'll be seeing Sucker Punch soon.
0: You're an evil man for even reminding me of that. (laughs) Zack Snyder. (sighs) Ugh.
1: You know, if it wasn't for Christopher Nolan somehow putting a stamp of approval on it, I I, I don't I would just totally check out of that movie.
0: Uh, the Superman movie we're yeah. talking about, yeah. I'm I'm already checked out. Just uh, the, let's put it this way, you, you know, like when you walk past a big steaming pile of canine um, defecation, and you really you could take the sweetest smelling perfume or cologne from the most expensive counter at the most expensive store in town and you could pour it all over it and it would still smell like poo <laughs> uh, that, that's how I feel about that Nolan Zack Snyder thing there's there's nothing that Nolan could do to override the sheer horrible stinkiness that will be a Zack Snyder movie I
1: mean Nolan's that that that's like that's like the comedy pairing of like you know Lenny Bruce and Gallagher yeah I mean there's just like you know Steve Martin Carrot Top yeah you know that's like the the, the musical know. the musical pairing of like you know you two and, you know. Bismarcky. And, and Bismarcky.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. I know. I know. I and hear you. by the
1: way, tell us how full of crap we are at gods at Oh, no. Zack Snyder's a genius. I love 300.
0: Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's the worst. Horrible movie. Every, if Zack Snyder ever does a movie in which there isn't some slow down, speed up, slow down, speed up junk, I swear I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll resign.
1: <laughs> resign I from will,
0: what? I don't know. Something. I'll resign from something. <laughs> anyway. We're not uh,
1: here to talk about movies. we talk about DVDs.
0: Yes, we are. So, uh, you know what? It's a week that's light on television, but heavy on new movies and junk and stuff. And we've got a bunch of criterions that I'm going to start out with. You, you always criticize me for starting off with the stuff that no one cares about. So, you know what? I'm going to start with criterians
1: Yeah, but you're not going to give me any of
0: I don't think you really want any of these. These aren't your kinds of criterions. I love Yee Do you love I Yee? Do. do you really? I do.
1: Seriously? A, a one and a two, I do. And the director just died a couple I, years ago. I
0: know. You know, I interviewed him. That's, I what, intervie- that's I, what killed him. Exactly. No, I interviewed him around the time of the release. I, I saw Yee Yee at Cannes. It was like 1992, I think. I know I'm dating myself. And uh, it's a lovely film. And then um, it was released in the U.S. about a year, maybe a year and a half later, maybe two years later. But I interviewed him. You know where I interviewed him? Uh, I interviewed... The
1: men's room of a no. No,
0: I interviewed him literally like close to your place. I interviewed him at the um, the uh, what you call drive-through Larry's Schmelly's Schmecky's Goobies. In and out. No, the place it's there's one in Hollywood on Sunset. The what is it? What uh, are you talking about? It's like an old old style di- Mel's diner. Oh, Mel's diner. Yeah, I interviewed him at Mel's in the Valley. Yeah, he Mel's... made
1: a, he made a great film.
0: His sister lived here. Anyway, yeah, no, he did. So Yi is a terrific film, and it's on Blu-ray, courtesy of Criterion, and we love them. Um, it is, uh, Mark, how would you describe the plot of Yi Ye Yee?
1: What, what are you doing?
0: What do you mean, what am I doing?
1: What What were you doing with your cell phone?
0: Oh, I'm using it as a bit of a flashlight.
1: Is, 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 is this room, not, uh,
0: sufficiently is this room bright. not
1: sufficiently bright?
0: No, it's sufficiently bright. So um, how would you describe Yi Ye Yee?
1: You know, it's hard to describe, actually. Um, it I guess it's about...
0: Because it's a long-ass movie.
1: It's a long it's movie. It's three hours. It's about a family that the, the, the wife is in the spiritual crisis, and the and the father's got these business partners, and they're making a lot of bad decisions, and the teenage
0: a daughter... A family drama. We could call it a family it's drama. It's a family drama. It's a Taiwanese family drama. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, yes, uh, a one and a two is, as Mark said, the, the American title. And uh, this is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous transfer of a film that is really not designed to be all that visually spectacular. Mind you, it's three hours long. It's a three-hour-long family drama set in Taiwan. But um, Edward Yang was able to do a, an audio commentary for the previous release, so you get that here uh, on the Blu-ray. And uh, he is joined by uh, Tony Raines, who's a, really a terrific uh, scholar on Asian cinema. And uh, there's also a video interview with Reigns and a uh, little little thing about the new Taiwan cinema movement, which actually was a lot more relevant when they originally did this, but it's not that. Uh, it's kind of faded, to be honest. Taiwanese film has sort of gone into hibernation.
1: It really has. Actually, has. Yeah, it? it's, it's been kind replaced of sad. by like the, the uh, Romanian New Wave or something. Yeah, it has. That's those those, those things
0: have a have a short shelf life. Sometimes. But
1: you know what? It's it's a beautiful looking transfer. It's a a it's a four it K transfer. And it, it's, it's good looking. It's great. And they cleaned it up. Like Criterion always does.
0: And here's, here's, here's my favorite of the week. This is far and away, as long as we're on kind of a Criterion foreign film binge, Au Revoir Les Enfants. Louis Oh,
1: Mal. it's one of Wade's favorites.
0: You know, 1987 was an amazing year. It really was. That was like the last great movie year as far as I'm concerned. Do you know why?
1: Uh, Au Revoir Les Enfants.
0: No, not just Au Revoir Les Enfants. It was, this was the year. There were four films this year. Four films, I remember this. Four amazing films that dealt with uh, basically childhood and war. and Empire of the Sun. And World War II. Now, the only one that didn't quite have, it wasn't childhood during World War II, it was sort of childhood and war and then World War II. I'm going to name them. Go ahead, name them.
1: Um, Full Metal Jacket. No. That was 87. I
0: was 87, but it's not about childhood and war. Oh, it's just well, it's War It's about war. It's about war. But oh, it's, ch- it's a great
1: film. Oh, okay, hang on, you ready? Yeah. Hope and Glory.
0: Yes. Oh, Hope and Glory. Which we love. Yes.
1: Uh, Last Emperor. Yes. Uh, lethal Weapon. No.
0: <laughs> or one Lays on Fall, obviously, because we're or talking about There's on one va? more. There's one more.
1: Uh, let me see. Cadillac uh, of the Skies. Broadcast
0: News. <laughs> Empire of the Sun.
1: I said Empire of the Sun before. I know before. you did.
0: I know. I was waiting for you to say it again. Well, hang, on, wait, hang on. There's one more. What is that?
1: Empire of the Sun.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Very good. You are a mensch Great films No that was an amazing It was an amazing year right
1: Empire of the Sun Starring a very young Yeah
0: Incre- Incredible year Christian Bale Very young That's right. Christian Bale That was his first uh, Big schmingy
1: And you know what He's great in it
0: He's terrific in it Yeah you know,
1: Spielberg doesn't make You know Empire of the Sun And Close Encounters Where's that Spielberg
0: I know That's what I'm I want that guy back well, anyway, Au revoir les enfants is, of course, uh, director Louis Malle. Louis Malle, who was married to Candice Bergen for many years, one of the great pioneers of the French New Wave, who was technically not part of the New Wave. Kind of interesting. Uh, but Louis Malle, an amazing filmmaker, went back to France after many years in Hollywood and made a film basically uh, about his childhood, based in his experiences during World War II uh, in, a, uh, in a school – during Nazi occupation. Uh, it is just a touching, powerful, incredible movie, and the performances of these kids are unbelievable. I mean, if you want to see the genius of Louis Malle, it is in how he gets these performances out of these kids. It is just dazzling. It is extraordinary. Uh, all kinds of great stuff in the extras here. Uh, this, of course, is the um, the official incredible transfer. Now, you know, not a gr- not great audio here, but the um, uh, the cinematographer Renato... Uh, Berta did the uh, Oversaw the Transfer, and it's fantastic. You get interviews with Louis Mal. Uh There's even, I mean, this is an interesting little tidbit on here. They include the um, 1917 uh, Charlie Chaplin interview, uh, The Immigrant. Do you know why?
1: Because? Because uh, it's used in the film. It's used in the film. Yeah.
0: And then there's a, there's a, there are audio excerpts from an uh, AFI interview with Louis Moll, which is kind of weird. I don't know why they didn't videotape that. But um, you get the original trailer and teaser and it's just – it's wonderful. It's just – but get it for the movie. It's Blu-ray. It's gorgeous. It's spectacular. Um, then we also have the documentary The Times of Harvey Milk, which um, kind of in a way I would say inspired the making of the film Milk. That Sean Penn won Best Actor for a couple of years ago.
1: Uh, this this is, is much better.
0: Well, this is way better. I mean, because the story is it, it, it merits a documentary more than it does anything else. Uh, 1984 and uh, very very well made. Uh, kind of a. It's not even really a necessarily a tribute to Harvey Milk. It's almost in many respects not even really about Harvey Milk. It's about everything that he represented, gay rights movement of the time. Uh, in, uh, in the 1970s in the Bay Area it's really a fascinating film uh, quite a history lesson and uh, a lot of amazing archival footage in here that just uh, you know if, you, if you're if you not familiar with this place and time uh, it, it's really crucial and the sad thing is is that you know did Harvey Milk really have to die for people to pay attention to these issues in this place and this time and this period in history seems like people don't pay attention to those nuggets of history unless somebody dies.
1: That's you can say that about a lot of things. Martin Luther yeah, King. Sure. Harvey yeah. Milk.
0: Well, anyway. Jesus. True. Very true. That's interesting. I'll have to give that some thought. <laughs> anyway, uh, lots of extras here. Jerry Brown's in this thing. Y- yeah,
1: a Once and Future Governor of California. Yeah, that's weird. Jimmy Carter's it's, in it. It was it's... it was narrated by Harvey Farrestein.
0: Yes, Harvey F- Harvey
1: Milk was a man who was amazing.
0: I you know I uh, I really love Harvey Firestein in um, Garbo Talks. I know that's an obscure reference, but I love Garbo Talks. No,
1: you love Harvey Forestine from Independence Day.
0: Yeah, that's what I love. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, there's also a, a new little tidbit in here, The Times of Harvey Milk uh, and Gus Van Sant's Milk, uh, which includes you know all kinds of uh, little tidbits that sort of plug the, uh, the movie. I don't know if that's essential. But uh, anyway, really, really great stuff. Just uh, don't miss that. And then the last of our uh, couple of criterions, this I found to be a really interesting from a marketing standpoint that they're doing this. They're releasing um, Topsy Turvy, the Mike Lee film. Which is not my favorite Mike Lee film.
1: It's quite. A, it's actually a bit of a departure from. Underneath. It's a
0: real departure. You know, this is uh, his kind of semi biopic about Gilbert and Sullivan, and it's a much more like scripted, story centric, straightforward period thing. It's not one of those actors' workshop deals that he usually does.
1: And he, but he earns an Oscar nomination for that.
0: I know he did. I know he did. But they're releasing Topsy Turvy on Blu-ray along with, uh, oddly enough, a Gilbert and Sullivan uh, a film taken from a Gilbert and Sullivan opera or operetta, The Mikado.
1: Holy Christ. Isn't that weird? No. It's so weird. When you say weird, you mean like UFO weird or just weird in
0: a... I just mean weird in like a strange, incomprehensible way. Uh, Here's what I can't believe. Do you you know how long it's been since Topsy Turvy? Uh, uh,
1: 1992. Oh, come on.
0: 89.
1: 99. 99.
0: Yeah. Oh. But that's over 10 years. I know. I can't believe it. Please stop. Topsy Turvy feels like four years ago. Please stop. I know. It's terrible, right? Please stop. Horrible. Uh, Topsy-turvy Looks gorgeous Audio commentary With Mike Lee Which is excellent Mike Lee is just He's such a lovable Articulate old crank I love him And uh, you also get His 1992 short film A Sense of History Which featured Jim Broadbent Who of course Is one of the stars of, uh, Of the movie and some deleted scenes and a few other little tidbits. Nothing nothing really spectacular, but good stuff all around. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but if you are, you got to check it out. And then the Mikado was made in 1939. I had never even heard of this before. I was completely unaware of this, but uh, bravo to Criterion for digging it up. Um, this was the uh, w- this Gilbert and Sullivan troupe called the Doily Cart or Opera Company. Um, actually – was somehow recruited to make a Technicolor version of the Mikado, and uh, it ain't bad.
1: You, you know? know why I've heard of the Doyley Cart Opera Company? Why have you heard of them? Uh, because they mentioned it on an episode of Family Guy, which you should love, but you don't. Really? Yes.
0: Doily Cart? They, well, never even heard of them.
1: They, it was obviously a, you know, yeah, a total. Okay joke.
0: Well, anyway. Well, the, the the most interesting thing of the extras on here, most of this stuff is not that uh, that fabulous. There's like a 1939 radio broadcast of some stuff and um, but there's a short a short film here, a silent film promoting their 1926 stage production of The Mikado. So it's really interesting that suddenly 13 years later they actually do the movie of it. And uh, if you watch, uh, you know, the Mikado and you watch uh, Topsy-Turvy, you'll, I guess you'll gain an appreciation for Gilbert and Sullivan. I, I don't have a, a huge appreciation.
1: But and the Dolly Cott Opera Company. Whatever. Whatever.
0: It is what it is, right? It is what it is. Yes, it is.
1: Speaking of things that are what they are. <laughs> Marine Killer Instinct. This I is love, on Blu-ray. I
0: love this movie. This is part one, but though.
1: This is part one. I yeah. you know what? I really wish they would have just boxed them up. Come on, Wade, box them up. Put put part one and two on the same Blu-ray. Do I it. Know. Get it done.
0: I know. Well, part two has already arrived. I just got it this week. Oh, good. Yeah, I haven't haven't gotten around to taking a look at it. I mean, I've seen the movie obviously, but checking out the Blu-ray, I haven't looked at
1: it. Well, yet. Vincent Cassel is just terrific as uh, as Jacques Marine, who's one of the uh, one of the most notorious uh, legendary legendary. You know. He robbed banks. He broke out of prison. He kidnapped people, and it's just uh, just totally flamboyant presentation.
0: Fabulous, fabulous celebrity gangster in the history of France.
1: Now it's funny because this movie came out around the same time as Carlos. Yeah, which is a totally different take on that sort well, of a guy.
0: This was originally, you, you know, the story with Marine. Marine was made it, it several was a TV years thing. ago. Well it, well, it was it was originally. I saw this at Colcoa like two Don't three years ago. Don't show off with the blah blah. Uh, I know. Oh by the way tomorrow night uh the, this year's Colcoa lineup gets announced. Dud. And uh I will be moderating an event this year as I do every year <laughs> and it's pretty spectacular this year. It is. <laughs> I am go- I'm moderating an evening with Bertrand Blier for crying out loud. What? Bertrand, Bertrand Blier is coming to the US. What, Bertrand it? Blier? Yeah, how exciting is that? Uh who's that? Oh my gosh. Look up his credits. I'm going to do that B- right B- now. B L I E R. I'm going to do that right now. Do it do it uh anyway yeah yeah Marine is, is great on blu-ray this thing is just epic it's you know the two films four hours and uh Marine is, is a fascinating figure because he just got so full of himself and it eventually was all about the fame not about the money fascinating that,
1: that that's where his story has resonance today yeah uh and that's why and you know what it's uh it's just you know what it's two parts but you don't really feel it yeah of course carlos is three parts
0: yeah but you don't feel you it you'll feel that you either, either, either actually. They're, because they're such fascinating figures it's true totally yeah. true yeah, absolutely
1: so uh check out uh Meireen part 1 Killer Insta, uh killerinsty i love
0: it and meanwhile uh before you you know get on to Maryane part 2 you might want to check out Tony Ja in Ong Bak 3 the final battle now we've talked about this before that Ong Bak 2 and Ong Bak 1 have absolutely nothing to do with each other and even though Tony Ja has tried to say create some kind of spiritual explanation for why a movie about a guy trying to recover a buddhist head in contemporary times has something to do with a medieval story about a thai fighter who grows up as an orphan and is raised by bandits the two movies have nothing to do with each other but uh ong bak 3 is a sequel to ong bak 2 so it actually makes it kind of a you know it should this should be 2 and ong bak 2 should be something 1 uh but this is a this continues the story that ended in um uh with uh, at the End of Ongbok Bak 2, rather kind of a cliffhanger and it's uh it's equally impressive, incredibly violent. And this time Tony Ja got himself a little bit of help in directing it with uh, his old buddy Pana Ritikrai who had to take over for him on the second film when he uh, took over his went off on his little pilgrimage into the mountains and left the uh the production stranded. But uh, the action is fabulous. Photography is incredible, and they probably made it for 18 cents because in Thailand you can make movies for next to no money. Uh, this is uh, absolutely fantastic. It's a beautiful Blu-ray. It's also out on DVD. They did not send us the DVD. They only sent us the Blu-ray, and I would say just don't even bother with anything else. The Blu-ray rocks, but this is an unbelievably violent movie. Uh, but since Hong Kong movies have mostly gone to hell, I would say stick with uh, Tony John and the Ong movies. Thailand is now making what Hong Kong used to. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on.
1: Wait, uh, let me try that again. Wade.
0: Puberty. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nasty thing when it hits, it's, I gotta it, tell it, you.
1: It's like that episode of the Brady Bunch. It is. When it's time to change, it's time <laughs> uh-huh. to rearrange. Oh, Remember that?
0: Oh, yeah, vaguely.
1: <laughs> that was the song. Oh, I know. When it's t- I'll sing it again. Oh. Uh, Wade, you know who I don't like?
0: Who don't you like, Mark?
1: Dario Argento. Oh. He's the worst. He is the, uh, the he is synonymous with Italian uh, giallo horror films. Which yeah, are,
0: I, I, I don't like him either.
1: Which are low budget and the all-star James Franciscus, except for Inferno, which is from 1980. Now, this is a uh, kind of a sequel to Suspiria, another Dario Argento film I don't like. And uh, this one uh, involves an American college student, and uh, he's hanging out in Rome, and his sister is uh, in New York, and they're investigating these killings. And... Um, the place is where these killings take place. The place is where these killings take place. If I may say places in twice in the same sentence. Yes. Is the place where witches live. Boo. Yeah, boo is right. Boo. Move on. Uh, what's on this thing? Uh, interview with uh, one of the stars, Lee McCluskey. Interview with uh, Dario Argento, who's still around.
0: I know, as as is his daughter. Unfortunately, both of them. His daughter makes away.
1: dreadful, horrible movies, and is a dreadful, horror. She, her daughter, his daughter is like the Courtney Love of uh, film, <laughs> just a train wreck, <laughs> a total train wreck. <laughs>
0: the, wow, I never thought of it that way, but you're you're kind of right. Wow. Anyway, Inferno's lame. Oh man, awful. Okay, Mark, I'm going to talk about one film, and then you're going to talk about another, and we're going to try to figure out what these two movies have to do with each other. Um, you know got, what?
1: I like the one in your hand more than I like the one in my hand, actually.
0: Well, that's interesting. I have a documentary here.
1: Oh, that's not the one.
0: Well, this, this is, this is a, a, a documentary called Afterlife. And uh, it's directed by Paul Perry, who is something of an author that I've never heard of. Presumably, he's important. And um, this features a lot of experts and a lot of people that don't really know what they're talking about all kind of pontificating about something that we cannot prove. Of course, we'd all love to believe that such a thing exists, but there it's about the afterlife, as you might guess by the fact that the title of the film is Afterlife. Uh, I, I'm i always a little bit annoyed by this because it's, it's sort of like, it, this is like making a documentary um, uh, about, you know. Yes? That's what I'm saying. This is like making a documentary about.
1: Nothingness? Nothingness. About what happens
0: after
1: after life?
0: Yeah, but you know, it's just all it is is speculation. I mean, it's nice to speculate, but there's the why go and interview PhDs and MDs and all these guys? What's the point? I like the movie that you have better.
1: You you know, you know, I remember when which is we we saw. uh, Well, we saw this film at the same time. We did. Uh, I was uh, you were sitting like you know twenty rows up from me, Mm -hmm. and when it was over, I walked up because I saw you in the up there. I walked up and I said, I said, that didn't work for me. And you loved it.
0: Uh, It has not lingered with me, as I hoped it might. But I still really, I I enjoy parts of it. I really, really, I was very touched by it.
1: And we're talking, of course, about Hereafter. And, you know, Hereafter got a lot of love from some of the major critics like uh, Roger Ebert and A.O. Scott and Kenneth Turan. And you know why? Because it's Clint Eastwood and that guy could just crap out uh, the story of a, a guy who makes toast and they'll love it. And the thing is that, you know, for a guy like Eastwood who is at this point in—I think he's in his early nineties—I'm not really—I kind of <laughs> lost track. Um, you would think that he would have more insight into this sort of a subject, which is basically about what happens uh, after you die. But somehow this just this, this thing just seems like kind of an unfocused mess of a movie. Uh, Matt Damon plays a uh, this—he plays a guy who has this can see the dead, speak to the dead. He, he's kind I don't of a medium. He does.
0: He's kind of a medium. He holds your hand, and then he can talk to your loved ones. Just like
1: every other stupid movie about a guy or a lady who or,
0: or some old witch who can... Who, sure. Who, it's
1: just it's lame.
0: Yeah.
1: You realize wrong. that if this was directed by anybody else, everyone would hate it.
0: Maybe. But it's also very well done. You know, here's the interesting thing about Hereafter. Did you know that this was playing all over Japan? And they they pulled it because of the tsunami? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean the irony of that imagine if you had just seen this if you were watching it the day of imagine you're watching this and the tsunami scene happens and then you walk out and suddenly you get hit by a tsunami Ugh, I mean that disgusting. the horror of that is just I can't you know so so bravo to Warner for having the good taste to to say we got to yank that yank that from those screens Can I
1: can I just call something out Yeah call it out Now I happen to know that and actually I called it up because I, I can't okay. believe he said this Yeah Peter oh, Travers oh, I, oh Peter Travers, Travers. No, that's, I'm not. I'm not talking about the guy. You think I'm talking about? Okay, Peter Travers from the, from Rolling Stone, longtime critic from Rolling Stone. Yeah, this is his quote: "Hereafter, set to a resonant Clint Eastwood
0: score. Oh, geez,
1: truly is haunting." Now Clint Eastwood has earned the right to score his own films. Yes, he has. He's the worst composer in Hollywood.
0: (laughs) He's terrible. He
1: is terrible. Every score and
0: he always always hires his son to play them on the piano.
1: And uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Eastwood, who well, Kyle Eastwood used to get billing himself. Yes, he did. And somehow he edged uh, father edged out the son. It's just it's the same slow plinking piano thing.
0: Plinky pling, plinky pling.
1: And it's like not anything. It's just no, it's not in the score. It's just, it, doesn't,
0: it doesn't feel like it goes with anything. It just it feels like you're watching a movie and someone in the corner of the theater is just playing the <laughs> piano just randomly for some reason. And it, it's annoying. It's just as annoying as if that were really happening, as if you, you you keep wanting to turn around and go, would you stop playing the piano? I'm trying to watch the movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, the guy playing the piano, is the, it's in the score of the film. Uh, we have another couple of interesting releases, kind of documentary, uh, feature things here. Warner Brothers did this intentionally. They have released Charlton Heston presents the Bible. Now, the reason Charlton Heston presents the Bible and not God is because Charlton Heston, well, effectively, his you know he's been Ben Hur, he's been John the Baptist, he's been uh, Moses. He sort of earned the right to be the go-to Bible guy. Uh, this is a uh, four-episode series. Genesis, the story of Moses, Jesus of Nazareth, and the Passion, and uh, this is obviously very, very intentionally being released in time for both Passover and Easter, and uh, it's actually quite good, Uh, not brilliant, not the most incredibly scholarly thing I've ever seen, but it's about four hours worth, each one of these is about an hour, and uh, Charlton Heston basically just takes you to a lot of uh, Middle Eastern locales and goes through a lot of the historiography and the archaeology and the, and the theology, and it's actually quite interesting, uh, very nicely done. And then uh, Warner Brothers, to make sure that they didn't leave any stone in their library unturned, they are also, also releasing King of Kings, which is one of the lesser-known Jesus movies of the period. Most people pay more attention to uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told, Starring Max von Sydow. This stars Mark Jeffrey Hunter.
1: Oh, Jeffrey Hunter! Captain Christopher
0: Pike doing Jesus. The That's ori- right. As
1: far as I'm concerned, the original Captain, Captain Kirk. Of, yes, pretty much. I mean, really, he, he, he would have been. He would have been. been. It would have been he Captain been. Pike. There would be no Captain Kirk. I
0: know. There and, would uh, there'd, there'd be no Bones Spock. <laughs> there would just be a really intelligent, good-looking, square-jawed guy. But he uh, he once played Jesus. In this film directed by Nicholas Ray, who, of course, had also done um,
1: Rebel Without a Cause,
0: Cause, which is why a lot of people nicknamed this derogatorily I am a teenage Jesus or I was a teenage Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Not very nice, is it? Awesome. No, not nice at all. But anyway, it's actually quite a good film produced by Samuel Bronston, one of the big uh, producers of the day. And uh, I think the film's perfectly good. It's, uh, you know, it's not brilliant, but it's 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 got a great Miklós Rosa score you know Rosa also did uh, Ben Hur it's a, it's a, it's a good film and it desert, it's a blue this is blu-ray we should point out and it's a widescreen film very colorful transfers beautifully to blu-ray so i don't have a problem with warner brothers kind of being a little bit whorish about you know trying to pump this stuff out with the with the big easter trying to ride ride the easter wave
1: as long uh, as they don't rush out the transfer that's the no, most important no, no. part it's all good
0: it's all good uh, a little foreign film here That I'm very excited about Jacques Rivet We were talking earlier About Louis Mal Jacques Rivet Is one of the Original French New Wave guys And uh, He's really Kind of the last one Who's just continually Making lots of movies he, can, he makes them Routinely And he's like 90 years old now Or something He made this Beautiful movie uh, Last year Called Around a Small Mountain It's a beautiful film With Jane Birkin And Sergio Castillito Now Sergio Castillito Everybody knows He's a very good Italian actor Director uh, Jane Birkin is the, uh, the English actress who was once married to Serge Gainsbourg, and uh, that produced Charlotte Gainsbourg, who has all of her parents' skills and then some. But this is just a lovely film, and really, you know what this movie's about?
1: It's about a guy who goes around a small mountain.
0: Exactly. This literally is a metaphor for stop and take the time to smell the roses. Don't let life pass you by. That's all it is. He's on a business trip, he meets this woman. She's uh, she kind of has this connection to this uh, traveling circus in this small town. So he literally stops his business trip, and uh, just he's so he's so enamored of this woman, and he gets involved in the in all of her kind of private life affairs and all these matters in her life and this circus, and it just it, it's just lovely. It's a sweet little eighty four minute movie, and it is so. So touching, and uh, Cinema Guild is releasing this, and you've got to get this. It's only on DVD, not on Blu-ray, but you've got to see it. It's just such a sweet, gentle film. You don't see much of this anymore.
1: And you know what, Sergio uh, Castellito is kind of one of my favorite Italian actors. He was in uh, My Mother's Smile and Mostly Martha. Oh, he's, he's fabulous. He's, good. Yeah, he's, oh, he's good.
0: so good, Mostly Martha. Yeah. And you know he was entirely dubbed in that movie. Did you know that in German? Is that right? It is like one of the most meticulous dubbing jobs ever. The, the film's director, I actually interviewed her about that. I couldn't believe it when she told me that. Blew my freaking mind. Blew my mind. Wade. Yeah. There's a movie. There were a lot of movies. We've <laughs> talked about some of them today.
1: Uh, when you and I walked into Tangled on a Saturday morning at oh, the Tangled uh, at the El Capitan Theater. By the way, I don't like the El. Here's the thing with the El Capitan Theater. Huh. The El Capitan Theater yeah. is, in, uh, uh, is on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. Right across from the Kodak Theater where they have the Oscars. Yes. Hollywood and Highland, the, big, yes. uh, the worst mall in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the El Capitan is uh, kind of a Disney owned theater. Yeah. And it's where they have all the Disney uh, screenings. Sure. Now, before they start the Disney, before they start the screening, Yeah. they have a guy yeah. who sits in front of the stage. Yes. And plays the Calliope.
0: Yes. Naked. Naked. Not naked. No, no, not naked. He plays the calliope. Yes.
1: Someone needs to shoot him. <laughs> he needs to stop. <laughs> you First
0: don't, like, of you all, don't like him?
1: No. First of all, the calliope, it's too loud. Why? Because it's too loud. I can't talk to anybody. Mm. I mean, it is so loud that's, that I can't talk to the person next to you when that's you're kind sort of true. Kinda discussing the movie or whatever. That, yeah. Or discussing why the hell you're there trying to see Tangled at yep. 8 in the morning when you'd rather be sleeping. Yeah.
0: But Tangled is pretty great. So we went
1: to Tangled, and we expected nothing, didn't we? Uh, Not much. We expected nothing. No, because the commercials were horrible. And you know what? It's It's quite good.
0: It's really fun. It's good. It's great. Uh, uh, The the, uh, Alan Menken uh, music is terrific. Songs are fun. Animation is terrific. It feels more cell-animated than CGI-animated, which is nice. A little bit like Ratatouille and... uh, and the Incredibles, you know, it feels more like a an old fashioned animated movie, and I just think it's delightful. Yep, I think I it's yeah, I
1: agree. It's uh, based on the story of Rapunzel, and uh, originally
0: titled Rapunzel, but they changed the title because they didn't. The, the tracking with teenage boys didn't show interest in a movie titled Rapunzel,
1: and you know what? It did better because of it. You think? Yeah, why not? Uh, if you're 13 years old, and you want to go see Rapunzel, you know, you know what a kid's going to say?
0: It's just, you look at the history of Disney movies, Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty.
1: Yes, every one of those films came about 30 years before Jaws and Star Wars, was changed Gee, everything.
0: That, and I, I rue the day, I rue the day that George Lucas contaminated and putrefied the youth of America. It's just a horrible, horrible disaster. Anyway, Tangled, uh, it's
1: a beautiful uh, transfer, as you would imagine, on Blu-ray. And the DVD is included also. And uh, even better than that, the film is just terrific.
0: Not much by way of extras. Uh, Just a little featurette and some deleted scenes. But um, it's just so much fun. Really, really good. Really good. Gosh, I love this movie. I'm going to watch that again. You know, uh, Christy has not seen it. It's a good, good excuse, right? Absolutely. Well, she
1: doesn't. She's, she, she sees and doesn't see weird movies.
0: You know, there's another movie that came out that was animated yes. that was also in 3D. I
1: love this movie. This is a great movie. This is, this is one of the best films I saw last this, year. This,
0: this actually – stop. stop. You're, you're, you're being silly. Um, this actually is available in Blu-ray 3D or just regular Blu-ray. And I, I have actually seen both – I've seen enough of it both in uh, regular Blu-ray and 3D Blu-ray to be able to tell you beyond any shadow of a doubt – that both of them deserve to be ground up and um, cast off into space where their dust will be scattered so that it cannot contaminate future generations. Yogi Bear, or this movie that they uh, disgustingly, shamefully called Yogi Bear, which has so little to do with the original Yogi Bear, the original Hanna-Barbera animated cartoon that I grew up on, this is just the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. This is a horrible, horrible film. There's nothing redeeming about it. It is an absolute and total screaming embarrassment.
1: It's dreadful. <laughs> and I have to tell you about that about that YouTube video the uh, the alternate <laughs> with the, with the, uh, the assassination the, the, the of Jesse, Jesse James. James. Ending. Okay, if if if, <laughs> it's, if it's you haven't great. seen this, you got to Google great. Google Yogi Bear and the assassination of Jesse James. There's a guy out there. I don't know who it was. Yeah, he created. An alternate ending for the movie. This is some guy not, yeah. not affiliated with the studio, not affiliated with the movie, created an alternate it's ending true. based on the assassination of Jesse James by the oh coward Robert gosh. Ford, and it is absolutely hilarious. It, it, it's really Especially funny. The song at the end.
0: It's really funny. But oh, well, here's, here's the what most. I hate about the movie, and I'll spend I'll waste no more time on it. But honestly, it's it's as if somebody looked at the Yogi Bear cartoons, the original ones, and said you know what, kids back then were a lot smarter than kids today. I think we have to really dumb this down. Look, I still enjoy those original Yogi Bear cartoons, but they're pretty juvenile. Do you really, honestly, did we have to make it even more juvenile? Oh, jeez.
1: Yes, because Wade, somewhere there's a seven-year-old boy who doesn't want to see because it's too smart.
0: People who run these studios, they just need to be shot, all of them. What? Lined up against a wall and just machine gunned to death. Spare us all the bad movies. What else we got there? Oh, speaking
1: of bad movies, how about uh, the end of James L. Brooks' career?
0: Oh, my gosh. How
1: do you know? Is, uh, G- is a misbegotten, horrible misfire of a James L. Brooks it's film? It's
0: incredible to think the man who made broadcast news made this. Oh,
1: I love broadcast news. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd, Jack Nicholson. Um, oh, James L. Brooks. You know, Reese Witherspoon plays a professional softball player uh. who begins a fling with a professional baseball player. And if then at the same time, he meets a, uh, a businessman facing legal action played by Paul Rudd, whose father's Jack Nicholson. And this is just it is just forced and labored and not funny and not focused. And I don't care about a professional softball player. I don't know why that is even considered any sort of a career that is worth documenting on film. Uh, blu-ray exclusives include 19 minutes of, uh, deleted scenes conversation with Hans Zimmer. And, uh, there you go. It's just so bad. It's just one of those pop brightly lit James L. Brooks films that you never thought he would make. You just never thought he'd make a film this bad. Yeah. It's, it is truly, truly bad. Um, I have to say, also, I was disappointed in Fair Game. Fair Game is the uh, Naomi Watts-Sean Penn film all about the Valerie Plame scandal. Uh, What I didn't like about this film – actually, what I liked about the film – actually, I didn't like much about the film,
0: (laughs) I have to say – uh, I, I, I didn't see it No I, I, I didn't get around to seeing it I, I, you, you told me all the bad stuff And I just said I can't Well I, Watts I can't.
1: plays a Valerie Plame Who of course Is the SCA officer Who was outed yeah. uh, In the media Yeah And uh, where uh, The movie starts Like the, the, the problem with the movie Is that It wants to be It's trying to be And really shouldn't be A yeah. thriller uh. And mixed in with The thriller elements Is this family drama About how it affects Boo. The family When Valerie Boo. Plame Gets outed The issue is that The movie shouldn't be A thriller it's, it, you, don't, you don't need uh, Director um, Doug Lyman Who did Swingers and Go He does need to pump up the thrill well, factor Well
0: Mr. and Mrs. Smith was the one where he kind of decided I'm going to be Mr. Johnny Action filmmaker
1: Yeah he does need to And
0: then that. he did the Born Identity and, and yeah, all that stuff
1: that, That's not what this movie should be Yeah. And then the, the, the marital stuff He still stuff, has all
0: that stuff going on He still wants to be that guy
1: it, it, But this is not the right movie to be that I guy know, And then I the know. marital stuff winds up being kind of banal And, and that's where maybe there would be some meat But in the end, it just wasn't very good. Uh, Special features, audio commentary. Interesting audio commentary, by the way. The only reason to uh, check out this Blu-ray. Audio commentary with Valerie Plame and her husband, Joe Wilson. Interesting. Which is kind of interesting. Otherwise, you can pass on fair game.
0: Very interesting Blu-ray here from Wolf Video. Um, It's called A Marine Story. Now, this is not one of those uh, big gung-ho things with some muscle-bound ex-WWE wrestler or something. This is a movie about a uh, a woman, a decorated uh, marine who has to coach a troubled young woman to get through all of her legal problems and kind of you know do her duty in the military. Um, <laughs> do her duty. Yeah, do her duty. But here's what's uh, here's what's interesting about this. Um, this film comes from Wolf Video, which is primarily a gay video house, and uh, so that kind of will cue a lot of people as to what the. The theme of the movie is, but it it feels initially like this m- might be kind of a recruitment video, but it's not. It's actually a very interesting, very well written film, and uh, despite the, all of the uh, you know the various stuff around the edges, it's not really a message movie either way. I just thought it was a, it was an interesting story, well told, very interesting uh, dilemma, and unfortunately it doesn't you know it's it fits in that slot where it's hard to get theatrical distribution. But a um, good commentary from writer director uh, Ned Farr And a few other little things, deleted scenes and uh, featurette stuff, uh, nothing that's all that that dazzling. But it's actually a very, very good Blu-ray transfer, and I would say a worthwhile rental for sure, even on Blu-ray. And then one of my favorite films of the year... Totally unheralded, uh, but you got to check this out. This is a wonderful film, Mark. I don't know if you saw this, Maiden Dagenham Did you see I, Maiden Dagonum? I did
1: see it. I oh, I, d- d- I thought it was fine. You liked it a lot more than I did.
0: I love this movie. Well, Sally Hawkins. You know, you got to remember Sally Hawkins starred in Mike Lee's Happy Go Lucky and. She won me over. I I didn't remember her from anything previous because that was the most central I'd ever seen her in a film. I hated Poppy for the first hour of that movie. I wanted to shoot her in the head. I wanted to strangle her. I wanted her to suffer the most horrible, gory death of any movie character ever. I was almost ready to walk out of that movie. And then, you know what? This is why you don't walk out of movies. There's a turning point in Happy-Go-Lucky where Mike Lee just flips the tables and suddenly I fell in love with her and I have loved her as an actress ever since. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I truly, I, wi- I, was wishing the most horrible, painful death on her for sixty minutes, and now I, I just can't get enough of her in the movies. Well,
1: the thing with Happy, the thing with Happy Go Lucky. Now that we're talking about that film, is that you expect the character of Poppy to stop being so
0: aggressively irritating,
1: aggressively irritatingly positive about yeah. everything, and happy to like maybe do someone something horrible happen. Really not. She's no. that's just her outlook on life.
0: She, she's Poppy. She's Poppy. Yeah. Well, anyway, in here. Uh, Sally Hawkins stars in the true story of an amazing event that took place in 1968 where the women who were a small minority of the Ford plant in, uh, in England, who really all they did was just stitch the, uh, the upholstery, but they decided that they weren't getting their fair share, they weren't getting what the men were getting, and they went on strike and basically shut the whole factory down. And uh, it's an amazing moment in labor relations in the UK. It really is. It's a fascinating piece of history. Bob Hoskins is unbelievable in this. Sally Hawkins, phenomenal. Um, it's just... It, it's a really, really good, solid film. Beautifully, beautifully directed by Nigel Cole, who previously did Calendar Girls, which is a little bit kind of the same thing. Yes, it's it has that, got that female Full Monty vibe going. But, gosh, this is a great film. See it on Blu-ray. It's so beautifully shot. And... Um, it's just it's well written. I don't know why this didn't get better love kind of at Oscar time. It got nothing,
1: got nothing. Because it's just formulaic.
0: That's why. I know, but it's so it's so lovely. <laughs> it is. It's a fun film. You it's know, a beautiful it's, film. It's,
1: it's a it's it's a very empowering female story and an important story for the time.
0: Nigel Cole commentary. Good good commentary by the way. He gives good commentary. That guy. Mark, uh, we we've been doing these commentaries for Vanguard. And uh, we've been enjoying them, haven't we?
1: We have. We uh, did one for this film called Becoming Eduardo, and uh, it's one of the better ones we've done. It's uh, it's about this kid named Eddie. He's sixteen years old. He's kind of a juvenile delinquent, and he um, he goes to this kind of this alternative high school in New Mexico. And um, you know, he's a good kid, but he kind of starts to fall in with the wrong crowd. And then he meets this girl, and it's kind of about uh, you sort of. Going through the film hoping that Eduardo realizes, you know, the better life he could be leading for himself if he would just sort of wake up. And hopefully this girl will wake him up.
0: I think one of the points that we raised in the commentary, which is uh, totally valid, is that it starts off and you think, oh, great, another one of these hood films, another one of these movies. Because it feels for a second like it is going to be one of those movies that we saw during the 80s and early 90s. And uh, everything kind of in the wake of Boys in the Hood. But it doesn't. It takes a really interesting twist and goes in a totally different direction. And I really appreciated that.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, also on the disc is a uh, making of slideshow. But really, you just care about the, uh,
0: that's it. the commentary by the Digi Gods. That's Digi-Gods. all you care about. Yeah, Cause, that's you know, it. We're cool. Because we rule. We're just, we're just cool dudes. Uh, blow through a few of the final uh, little tidbits here. We've got another Gamera double feature, courtesy of the good people at Shout Factory. They have been releasing all those Godzilla movies. And once the Godzilla movies are done, you've got to turn to Gamera. Why? Because Gamera's a turtle. When all said and done, Mark, Gamera's just a turtle. He's a yeah, flying turtle.
1: He is the most terrifying turtle ever.
0: He's a flying turtle who who spins like a flying saucer, which has got to make him dizzy. Awesome. He never understood no, that.
1: No, you just don't know how turtle, how how intergalactic, gigantic space turtles work, Wade. But, but see, this is
0: what's weird to me. What's weird to me is awesome. it, like like let's say you, you you've done the Godzilla franchise. You're looking for another monster. Uh Okay, Godzilla, basically kind of a big T-Rex type thing, at least modified so we can you know, make a suit and put a guy in it. What's our next monster going to be? A turtle? Really? Seriously? Well, they have a hard what outer the... shell, so they can like... I guess. The thing is
1: whatever. that they could take the hard outer shell, they can flip themselves over yeah. and then land on somebody and crush them with their shell. The problem if they do that is they can't get up again.
0: Well, in this, here we have uh, two films, Gamera versus Zegra, now, that should, that's just Zigra, not to be confused with uh, Bobby Zegra, who used to live down the street from me when I was growing up because he wouldn't hold a candle against Gamera unless he was, you know, on one of his bad hygiene days, in which case Gamera just wouldn't mess with him at all. And then uh, the second one is Gamera the Super Monster, which sort of speaks for itself. Although, I've got to tell you, even if you think you know what you're, you're, what you're in for it with Gamera the Super Monster, it is hilarious Absolutely unintentional hilarity you can't even comprehend. Uh, Anything goes, starring Frank Sinatra and Ethel Merman together again from the archive of American television. This is a Cole Porter musical uh, based on a book by uh, P. G. Wodehouse. P. G. Wodehouse, one of the you know great, I mean, writers of all time. Really amazing writer of the last century. And, uh, you know what, if you like that kind of classic television stuff, this is fine. uh, Cole Porter kind of deserves better than than black and white live television, which is what this is, but it's it's fine. It's just, uh, it's that TV thing, that golden age of television look, and a lot of people uh, probably will really vibe that. Um, This was originally part of NBC's Colgate Comedy Hour, uh, aired in 1954, and, uh, you know, uh, well... Okay, fine, cool. The only reason we have this is because Ethel Merman had a personal kinescope copy of this. Otherwise, this would have been lost forever. Do you know that?
1: I did not know that. I know. Interesting. Yeah, fascinating.
0: And then, lastly, uh, Andy Lau, great Hong Kong actor, who's gotten better with age. Actually, uh, in Battle of the Warriors, which is a big period Hong Kong Chinese battle epic, uh, it's okay. It's it's not brilliant. There are a million movies like this. Uh this one just has a lot of production value but it's not the greatest script not the it, it's just it's fine it's only if you're really really into the genre will you appreciate it and I'm really into the genre and I was fine with it um, the thing that makes it less than great, and it's on Blu-ray, and it's a beautiful Blu-ray, gorgeous transfer. I listened to the commentary. I, I, I didn't even look, honestly, I didn't even look in the back of the box for the commentary. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a commentary. I know who did it. I just the commentary on. And like, it, if, honestly, 14 nanoseconds into the commentary, I went, oh, jeez, can't I get away from you? Mark, What's his name? Bay Logan. Bay Logan. Gosh, honestly. And look, Bay, if Bay's listening to this, haven't talked to you for, for, gosh, haven't talked to you for about 12 years. I love you. You're great. I, I know you're, you're Mr. Hong Kong. But for crying out loud, just lay off the commentaries a little bit. Every single one, just please let someone else do them for a change.
1: How much do you think he gets paid for those? I, I don't know. He can't, right?
0: Yeah, He can't. It's just, but he's the guy, right? He's Mr. Hong Kong. He he's the days. guy. He's the guy. So, anyway, uh, television. Mark, should we dr- dive into some TV? Yes. Let's do it.
1: Are you going to make me talk about Vegas? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to make Vegas. you talk about
0: Vegas because I love Vegas and I could go on forever on Vegas. But you remember Dan Tana. You remember him driving his car in, in, right into the middle of his house. By the way, you I remember went to, that? That I, was a good
1: show. I, I went to Dan Tana's, uh, the restaurant the other
0: week. I, I once – oh, really? You were there recently.
1: I, you know what? I went to uh, the Troubadour. It's a classic old uh, venue yeah. in uh, – West Hollywood. Yep. I went to go see Liz Fair. Yeah. Liz Fair is one of those uh, I you like know, rock and roll chicks, yeah. kind of more in the 90s. Yeah. Did a classic I, album called Exile and Guyville. I like and that her and stuff. I like her stuff. So I went to go. I, Liz Fair Ex- is a Extra- extraordinary
0: Extraordinary, man. That's a great song. Is that her? Yeah. Oh,
1: she, I think she sang that. Yeah. But you know, but here's the thing, though. Lately, she's traded in all the indie stuff for this kind of transparent stab at pop music machine making. And it's really not her. But whatever, you know, the, the woman has a baby and she needs to pay for a kid. Okay. Anyway, so at the troubadour, I decide I'm going to go and uh, go to Dantana's before the show starts, right? Okay. Dantana's classic, very sure. old school Italian place mm-hmm. uh, right next to the troubadour. I go in there. Who's eating at the bar?
0: Dantana. Liz Fair. Oh, wow. Liz Look Fair and that. her
1: band eating, okay. eating at the bar. And uh, Dantana's is uh, super cool. Has
0: right. nothing to do with Vegas. No. Just the same character name. I once I once saw. Uh, kind of
1: wonder about that. Like, why would like, did did the restaurant come first or the TV show?
0: I don't know. First? Vlad, I saw Vladdy Divots at Dan Tannis years ago, really? back when he was with the Lakers. That tells you how long it's been since I was there.
1: It also tells you how long it's been since Dan Tannis has been there. Now, now look at uh, look at this guy's eyebrows. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, Bart Braverman. <laughs> that's Bart Braverman, man. Uh, yeah, this, you know what, this is. He hasn't of... acted since. He hasn't had a job since.
1: This was kind of it. Well, it was it was, was like it was nineteen. Well, this is like the early eighties. It and. came
0: it came on the heels of Starsky and Hutch and Beretta and uh, Hawaii Five O and Magnum PI and all that stuff. And somebody says, you know what? We've never had a cop in Vegas. We've never had a PI in Vegas. Let's do something in Vegas because Vegas is about Vegas, baby. And so they did this show in Vegas. Uh, Robert Urich, he's great, it's terrific. Uh, second season, volume two. We talked about this a little while ago. And you know what? It's just it's a fun show. It's a really fun show, and it's from an awesome period in television history. And you got to get it. It. moving on
1: on blu-ray is a uh, tram which is the uh critically acclaimed hbo series that takes place uh, a couple months after hurricane katrina and Ooh. uh yes the name tram is a, a neighborhood in new orleans and it's all about the residents of this particular neighborhood there's uh you know there's a like Check chef chef guy and there's a there's a musicians and just new orleans trying to rebuild roll. their lives yeah, david baby. simon co-created it and nice. it's got a great cast and um It's a great show. The Blu-rays are terrific. Very well shot. Bunch of audio commentaries. Some music commentaries, which is kind of interesting. And uh, making of. And the music of Tram, which is great. John Goodman is uh, just wonderful in this thing. And uh, you know what? David Morse is in it. We all love David Morse. Steve Zahn's in it.
0: Steve Zahn, baby. Rock on.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's good stuff. Tram, the complete first season on Blu-ray. Of course, this comes out to coincide with season two. Which premieres on uh, April twenty fourth. You know what else is out on, on Blu-ray? Uh, Star Wars.
0: Mad Men. Never seen it. Season four. Never seen it. Uh, you know what? Mad Men is really a fun show. I I don't think it's as brilliant as everybody else th- seems to think, but it is. It's very sharp. It captures. It's. I love the fact that it's an. It's a television dramatic show that's period. You know, it's like Sweet Smell of Success for television, and I really like that. Um, John Hamm, really great There's a guy who slaved away for years and years and years And uh, finally hit it big This is uh, 13 terrific episodes from the fourth season Includes a f- uh, bunch of commentaries Which are uh, okay I don't know this is a kind of show where you really go Gee, I think I want to listen to the commentary for that episode It's not that big of a deal But there's uh, really cool archival footage from uh, the 1964 presidential campaign Uh, Which is, you know, kind of wild because that was right after, uh, you know, that was the re-election campaign for Johnson after Kennedy's assassination and all that jazz. That was like, wow.
1: Did Johnson win?
0: He did, yes. And then Vietnam happened, and then he didn't win again. He, he, and then, then, then Nixon, he lost. In, Nixon inherited the mess, and then there was Watergate, and then uh, we had you know Ford and Carter yeah. and inflation. Well, and Ford gas got lines, us out '75. And, and then there was you know Reagan and uh, Iran Contra, and next thing you know, we've got uh, you know Bush and Clinton and Bush and Obama, and, and there it is. There we are. There it is. There's American history over the last 45 years in a nutshell. <laughs> How's that? You like that? Was that yeah, fun? It's a happy story. Every second of it. Is that good for you? Okay. No. I left out a few wars in there. Three or four wars. You know, a couple of them in Iraq.
1: Well, now we have three at the same time.
0: I know. Three it's a ma- th- magic number, right?
1: Oh yeah, deaths yeah. coming threes. Yeah. Oh, that's just celebrity death.
0: <laughs> oh, Sorry. Wow. We're cynical horrible people. And uh anyway, there's a little tidbit on here how to succeed in business Draper style, which is it's it's kind of a it, you know it's it's kind of a shameless featurette in a way but it's it, but it is interesting it sort of tries to connect the whole the, the shows the world of advertising in the show to the real world of advertising it's all right and then divorce circa 1960s is this uh, three part documentary um which uh you know it, it that's a little bit more less of a shameless featurette so um yeah, I, you know it's mad man man it's 1080p blu-ray go for it get some
1: uh, what you shouldn't get is the second season of C- Scarecrow and Mrs. King. A just a terrible show that was just one of those like heart to heart mismatched. Uh, the civilian paired with the uh, super spy.
0: Y- y- you know what it really was. This is this is there was a, it was a one two oh three. This is how it happened. Moonlighting oh it's wonderful great moonlighting fabulous uh, Remington Steel. oh fabulous which both of which were created by Glenn Gordon Karen, by the way, and and then oh Scarecrow and Mrs. King, what. Huh? This that was the
1: one that it felt like the knockoff.
0: Yeah, this just this felt like this felt was like th- this was like what this was to those what Matt Houston was to Magnum P.I.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Matt Houston started that guy with the mustache. Yeah, Lee, 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 Hor-
0: Lee Horsley, Lee Horsley, Horsley. Lee Horsley. <laughs> and when that when that thing came on, everyone looked at that and just said. Wow, that's a shameless knockoff of Magnum P.I. I'm
1: looking at Lee Horsley right now. Anyways, <laughs> Scarecrow Mrs. King Season 2. This is just a, a terrible show, and that's uh, all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, there's only four seasons of the show, because unfortunately, uh, Kate Jackson got uh, breast cancer, and um, the show would eventually go downhill from there. But, uh, you know, for those who like it, uh, you're out of your mind.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, Nickelodeon has a show called Big Time Rush. I'm going to make this really quickly. Lee uh, really... Horsley
1: was born in 1955.
0: That's great.
1: He's best known in, in the television series Nero Wolf, Matt Houston Paradise, and the there 1982 cult film The Sword and the Sorcerer.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Oh, okay. and he recorded the audiobook edition of Lonesome Dove.
0: Well, that's good for him. Bravo.
1: Oh, wait, wait. He writes western novels. Oh, jeez.
0: Does he Is that what he does now? Uh, yeah, I guess Lee Horsley. okay. All right. Uh, look, this this show Big Time Rush. Yeah, a reality show. Did he really? Lee Horsley? In 2006,
1: Horsley and Marshall R. Teague traveled the world in search of exotic game on the Outdoor Life Network for the reality show Benelli's Dream Hunts.
0: Oh, jeez!
1: He was born in Muleshoe, Texas.
0: Okay, fine. <laughs> Muleshoe, Texas. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, big time rush. This Muleshoe, is Muleshoe, Texas. You're not letting it? me get around to big time rush, are you? <laughs> Big Time Rush was this Nickelodeon show. Uh, this is season one, volume one. This is a horrible show about four guys from Minnesota who, uh, they're, they're going to become music stars in Los Angeles. This is a horrible show. It has like uh, really cheesy guest appearances from people like Lorenzo Lamas and Eric Estrada who mean nothing to kids today. Um, but obviously that's, you know, it's, it's all part of the Billy Ray Cyrus, um, Hannah Montana phenomenon. And I really honestly, do you want to watch a show about a bunch of guys who just want to be the next uh Nick Jonas or God forbid that horrible, dreadful even satan- evil satanic spawn thing Justin Bieber?
1: Yes, yes, I do
0: by the way you, did you did you see uh the uh the new Justin Bieber thing the uh downfall Justin Bieber thing what is that well did th- th- somebody got a downfall um parody onto YouTube again?
1: Oh, God. I thought those were dead.
0: I know. We, th- we all Well, they all got pulled because of the copyright thing. But someone did one where um, Hitler's flipping out about Justin Bieber's popularity. <laughs> it is hilarious. It's one of the best I've seen. That's it's great. up there. Go check it out while it's still there before they make him pull it down again. It is what it is.
1: What else we got, Wade? Uh, last, last bit for TV. What, last for TV? Last
0: for TV, and then we're gonna do a few docs and uh, maybe some family stuff and other junk. You know, they're, they're, honestly, Mark, here, this, we got to talk about some of these. No, we don't. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. Those last two, those bottom two there. Oh, you, I, I brought those along specially for you today. Oh, I did. I'm gonna leave them with you. Because they're meaningful to you. Dennis the Menace, season one, folks, finally out at long freaking last. All 32 episodes back from the day in the 60s when they actually, in the 50s and 60s actually, when they actually made a lot of episodes. Jay North uh, really made a career for himself in the, uh, as playing the famous Hank Ketchum cartoon character. And normally when they've tried to do Cartoons or daily comics as television shows they don 't really work. Uh, they tried it on a number of occasions, uh, and it 's always kind of sort of flopped a little bit the, uh, but Dennis Menace was the one that worked. This is the original first season from one thousand nine hundred and 1960, and uh, really very, very funny. The characters are just perfect uh, you know Billy Booth is great as tommy um, jay North, absolutely fantastically believable as um, as Dennis and then the real star of the show as far as I'm concerned the one that really makes the whole thing just hum is Joseph Kearns as Mr. Wilson and uh, a better Mr. Wilson I think doesn't look as much like Mr. Wilson as Walter Matthau did in the film but a better Mr. Wilson overall
1: no I love Walter Matthau I know I do too
0: but the show is really good it's a very fun show we get some interesting bonus features little trip down memory lane with some of the original cast members and a bonus episode, which was kind of a weird little crossover episode from the uh, Donna Reed show, which uh, they did even back then, just like my favorite crossover episode between Simon and & Simon and Magnum P.I. I can't stop talking about Magnum P.I. today. I don't know why, Mark.
1: Tell us a story about the one where uh, a Magnum uh, shoots the Vietnam vet or something like that. And you, it's, you, Oh, it's,
0: it's Bo, Bo Svensson when he plays Ivan. He says, Ivan, did you see the sunrise? Bam! Freeze frame on the gun. No way, Magnum just murdered a dude. It was awesome, legendary <laughs> moment you really
1: in television just, history. Did you really say Magnum just uh, just murdered a dude?
0: I did. I did. No, I was, is I was that what there they said my, in the show? No, no, you said that. I said that. I was sitting there with my friend RJ, and we both like popped out of our seats and went, started bouncing up and down like bobbleheads, going, "No way, no way, Magnum just murdered a dude. Magnum just murdered a dude." It was awesome. It was gutsy. That's when television had guts, man.
1: Oh yeah, guts.
0: Uh, a couple, of, You know what? We're, we're running out of time here, but uh, let me make a, a big plug for a couple of things. Hang on. Hold on. Uh, okay. Cool It, baby. Did you see Cool It, Mark?
1: No, because I don't like those. those the... Cool It is
0: great, man. Cool ah, It is great. You, you're out of your mind. It is great. Now, I'll tell you, I, I really love this, and not just because my wife was uh, a little bit involved in it, but uh, Bjorn Lomberg is this amazing guy who has been just unfairly maligned for a long time. And uh, this is a documentary all about Bjorn Lomberg. L- Bjorn Lomberg is basically a statistician who has become kind of a big proponent for a new approach to, to dealing with climate change. Everybody on the left, everybody on the right, they all hate him. People on the right hate him because he actually says climate change exists. People on the left hate him because he says Al Gore is, is just, just spazzing out for no reason whatsoever. And this documentary, it's like it finds the middle ground... It just deals with all the facts, and he just says, this is how we combat a real problem without hysteria, without misrepresentation, without politicizing it. And honestly, get it, watch it, show it to your friends, talk about it, invite all of your lefty friends and all of your righty friends, get those evangelicals and those progressives in the room together and tell them you can't talk about abortion, but you've got to talk about cool it. You are going to love it. You're all going to agree. The world will come. It'll be, gr- it'll be peace. World peace will ensue.
1: It'll, it'll be dogs and cats.
0: Dogs and cats <laughs> living together. Yes, it will. Yes, it will indeed. Oh, Actually, shoe. very very funny reference. Yesterday, uh, when we were doing we we're doing a little bit of shooting this weekend, um, uh, our our good friend Sean, the cinematographer, made a comment about pulling back the camera to Cleveland. Quick movie reference. To Cle- pulling by the camera, Because I, I said, "Can you pull back?" And he said, uh, "How do you? W- w- how about Cleveland? Quick, what's that from?"
1: Uh, Groundhog
0: Day. You have two sec, Tootsie. Oh pull back can you make can you make her look better i want to pull back a little how do you feel about cleveland
1: oh yeah i remember that